0: Hey guys, welcome back to Transformation Church. My name is Brad Livingston. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so excited that you're with us today. And and as always, man, we're honored that more and more of you are showing up each week to to listen to what God is communicating to us. And I'm, again, the lead pastor at Transformation Church, a church that represents a number of different people, different uh, races, ethnicities, different generations uh, in such a powerful way. This week has been a pretty emotional week for a lot of people. And I know that I wanna take just a moment to communicate a few things as we get ready to jump into what we have uh, today. And so the one thing I wanna let you know that I am proud uh, as a pastor of a racially diverse church, I'm proud of what I'm seeing in our people. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of how you are representing yourself. Uh, for those of you that are standing for unity, man, that means the world to me, and it means the world to our church. Uh, you, Many of you aren't having the conversations that I'm having with our brothers and sisters, our black and brown brothers and sisters, but also white brothers and sisters, and then all other races uh, that are in our church that feel represented and they feel like people love and they care for what they're going through. And so that means the world to me. Next, I want to let you all know how deeply I, we uh, are hurting right now in the midst of the pain of the George Floyd death Um, and so many more. George Floyd is an example uh, of many more that have lost their lives and we are all hurting right now. And so we stand and we hurt together. The Bible says that we mourn with those who mourn and we weep with those who weep. And uh, this week has certainly been a season of weeping. Um, And so we're doing that together. Uh, Also, how desperately we are praying for our country uh, to turn towards God uh, and allow peace, healing, and change uh, to come where where we're experiencing pain, injustice, and chaos. And so we want to see God do that. And then lastly, how encouraged I am that our church has unified voices, and has stood in unity together to demand that we see change in our nation. Uh, And so uh, I put up a video earlier this week where I recognized that uh, there has to be a disruption to the social norms um, so that we can see justice uh, that has become, uh, injustice has become a normality in so many circles that we are going to have to disrupt uh, the social norms so that we can start to see justice. Now, that certainly doesn't permit violent rioting, and any of those things. But what it does say is that there is going to be some sort of balance between a necessary disruption um, and less of a destruction. Uh, And so although we have to see a disruption to what's happening, uh, we need all to understand whether we're white, black, brown, uh, any color, any race, what we need to understand is disruption is not division. And so we can be unified, under the banner of righteousness that says that some things need to change. And we can all have differing opinions about how those things need to change, but we can all agree that something needs to change in our country where our black, brown uh, brothers and sisters are, uh, protected and they can feel safe in our country. And in every circle, every race can do that. And so, uh, in no attempt am I here to demonize or villainize, uh, uh the white race or anything like that. What I'm here to tell all of us is that we all have to take a stand for the life. Uh, and so, uh, this represented so well, actually in our culture code. And if you're new, we have a culture code here at Transformation Church and the TC culture code says this, uh, number, uh, six, of our culture code says everyone is invited uh, and the tagline for that is we will cultivate diversity while maintaining unity and we've come up with this years ago but it screams so loud right now. We will cultivate diversity. That means we will work to generate a culture that is diverse. And sometimes that means having hard conversations and embracing very hard topics. But we're going to do it. Why? Because we're maintaining unity. And our unity is around the idea that God loves people, uh, regardless of what race they are. And, and a lot of this is, stems out of Luke chapter 15. Uh, and before I go to that, I'm going to give you the next one. The other one is unity is greater than loyalty. And the tagline for that is that we will fight for each other's right to have a seat at the table. We stick together. Uh, And the beauty behind that uh, is that it's not so much that we we don't just love having people of different races in our church. We love having people of different races represented in every aspect of our church, the leadership of our church, how our church is represented. All those things matter to us. So we do that. And so we are more focused on unity than loyalty. More than we're loyal to a political party, more than we're loyal to the things that this nation offers or this world offers, we are committed to the unity of the body of Christ because we weren't made for this world. We were made for something after this world. We were made for an eternity where we will worship the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, together for all of eternity And in that place, unity will be necessary. So we need to be unified under the banner of Christ, not necessarily any other banner. And I'm not here to bash those banners. What I'm here to tell you is unity to the kingdom of Jesus and what it means to have all of our brothers and sisters be a part of that is the most important unity we can have more than we're loyal to anything else. And so let us represent the kingdom of God together. And a lot of that comes from Luke chapter 15. And if you've read the end of that chapter, you see a story where there are two brothers and a rich father. And the younger brother comes to the rich father and says, I want my inheritance. And he goes and he squanders it and he wastes it. Uh, And he comes home. And as he comes home, he shows back up and uh, he comes and the father restores him back to the family. In other words, he gives him a new inheritance, really. And as he restores him back to the family, he throws a party for him and he welcomes back home. And the thing that we have to realize uh, about this story, because so many people think that it's about uh, lost people coming home. And although that is a true aspect of the story, it's not the story. What God is uh, actually trying to communicate there, what Jesus is trying to teach us through that parable is actually a lot less about the younger brother coming home from his sin. And it's a lot more about the older brother's response to the younger brother coming home. You see in the lost coin and the lost sheep earlier in Luke chapter 15, and you can go read all of that. In those passages, in those parables, Jesus is making an emphasis on how we have to go after our brothers and sisters that are lost, that are hurting, that are broken, that may be far from God, uh, that are experiencing injustice. That is where he communicates our need to go after them, to go searching for them. But at the end of Luke 15, the parable of the two sons that we just referenced, what Jesus is actually telling us is how we are to respond In the midst of crisis for our brothers and sisters as they come home to the Lord or as they're hurting and broken you see what he's actually trying to teach us at the end of Luke 15 is to not be like the older brother in the scripture and if you read the story the older brother is mad at his father for welcoming his younger brother home he's upset and he doesn't want to go to the party you see he's not looking for unity he's looking for loyalty from his father he doesn't care that the family is dismantled Uh, he's not interested in everyone being invited to the party he wants to know that it's going to be his party when it's his time and the reality is this Jesus is trying to show us through that parable we don't want to be older brothers like the story of Luke 15 we want to be more like the older brother who is Jesus who represents all of what forgiveness and unity looks like, for all of what peace and pursuit after togetherness looks like, what it looks like to love people as they return, whether they're far from God or whether they're in the midst of pain and suffering, and what it looks like to nurture them. We shouldn't be so focused on ourselves and what we want. We need to be focused on what our family needs. And so, man, I want to encourage you today to focus in On that. And so, as we do that, what does it look like to have our attitude for our brothers and sisters to be shown what Christ looks like in the midst of their chaos? Uh, Are we opinionated, self righteous, like the older brother in Luke 15? Or do we display Christ towards the brothers and sisters who experienced a pain that we do not yet understand? Uh, And in the midst of that, we have to do that. In Luke 13, we see a parable for how to navigate our lives when the areas seem fruitless in our lives. And so today I want to talk you about this idea of just be honest. You see, all of us encounter circumstances, that are difficult for us to understand. All of us encounter circumstances that we're frustrated in, growth areas of our life that we don't quite grasp. We're wondering, God, why am I going through this? Uh, And so both literally in a social way, like we're talking about with George Floyd, his family, and as we are praying for them and our nation in the midst of what's happening. But even beyond that, some of you are being impacted personally by circumstances and positions and the state of your life that you are currently in. And what does Luke chapter 13, and what we're learning from that, what does it show us that is necessary to help us get through the season that we're in? Well, let's check it out, shall we? Luke 13, 6-9 says this, A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any any. How many of you guys ever been in that place where you have been looking for fruit in your life? You've been looking for fruit of change in society. You've been looking for the fruit of uh, improvement. You've been looking for the fruit of blessing. You've given, you've given, you've given, you felt like you've you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, and you haven't seen the change, whether that be socially or personally. Well, man, this is what's happening here. And so for three years, he hasn't found any. So he says, I'm going to cut it down. He says, why should I use up the soil for this tree that's not producing fruit? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, he says, and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. You see, as we start to pursue new seasons in our life, as we start to go after new seasons in our life, the very first thing that we're going to have to do as we navigate that, is we're going to have to dig up the truth. We're going to have to dig up the truth. You see, in our lives, we are going to have to dig up the aspects, the areas around our tree. See, our tree is our life. We are planted. But there are some times there are, when our fruitless life starts to show up, when we go through seasons where we're not producing, where it feels like things aren't going well, sometimes we have to dig around the areas near our roots. We have to dig around our life to find out what is it in our life that is not currently truthful. And that can be a painful process. I remember uh, taking my car to a mechanic not too long ago. And as I took my car to the mechanic, I, I pulled in to the parking lot and there was a noise a clanking going on in the engine. So as I'm pulling into the parking lot, uh, some guy who obviously didn't work there comes walking out and he goes, man, that sounds really bad. I'm probably coming from the engine. Yeah probably, right? Like, why else would I be here, right? And so the thing is, what is the actual problem is what I wanted to know. Like, I didn't need this guy's non-expert opinion on like, that sounds pretty bad. Sounds like it's coming from the engine. Duh. What I need to know, the reason I'm here is because I want to find out what the real problem is, right? I know where the problem is located. It's in the engine. But what is the problem? You see, the mechanic has to start digging around in there. He has to start going through the engine and figuring out what the problem is. He's got to find the real problem. You see, for many of us, when we dig around, we can start finding the real problems on our lives, not the evidence of the real problems in our life. You see, the tree being fruitless is the evidence there's a problem. But sometimes in our life, we got to start digging around to find the truth as to why, right? See, the mechanic knows what he's looking for. The same way when we let God start showing us in our lives what's wrong, he knows what he's looking for. And so we have to start allowing ourselves to be opened up. we got to start letting the soil around our life be dug up a little bit. And that's not always an easy process because it starts to expose some things in us that we'd rather not deal with. But as we dig them up with truth, we can start realizing the aspects of our life, of our opinions, of the way we live. that need to change to line up to the way God has them. You see, you know what we don't need? We don't need more opinions of non-certified wishful mechanics. We don't need the opinions of more people that aren't certified to speak into our lives. We don't need more of social media telling us what to fix. You see, we have listened to too many voices saying, looks like there's a problem there. Must be in the engine of our lives. Looks like you got a problem there. Must be this. Must be that. Must be this. Must be that. Listen, there are no experts on social media that are going to help you figure out how to solve the fruitless areas of your life. What we need is God to help solve the fruitless areas of our life. And so he comes in to do that. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 says this, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, as he takes us through truth, now it becomes our opportunity to help lead people with that truth. But we need the truth first. We don't just need a version of truth. We need the truth. See, the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we need the truth, not just someone's varying truth. The Bible says this in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Now, notice he didn't say a particular race of man. He didn't say a particular looking type of man. He said mankind, all of mankind. Let us make them in our image. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. You see, why do we have to fight? Why is it a requirement that we stand shoulder to shoulder for the life of those people who are losing theirs? Because they represent the very image of God. Why is it important that we stand alongside people who are being done unjustly? Because it's the image of God who's being done unjustly. And we have to stand and show God, the kingdom of God, and this world who is looking to us for what the kingdom of God looks like, that the image of God inside of every man, woman, and child is worth defending And so we have to step in. We have to defend them. And and yes, laws exist and all those things happen. But until, man, until we can see change happen in our nation, we continue to defend. Why? Because the image of God resides in them. So the reality is this. We need to understand that we as humans carry that image. Think about that for a second. The image of God, the likeness of God is represented in you. Do, Do we carry ourselves that way? Do we look at other people that way? Because we should, right? And then once we've dug up the truth, then we recognize that that place is where God starts to apply grace. You remember Luke 13, he said, I'm gonna dig up around the roots, but then I'm gonna apply fertilizer. See, fertilizer helps it grow right? Fertilizer helps to increase. So we've done the digging away. And many of you are in a season in your life right now where uh, you feel like God has dug away aspects of your life. It has been painful. The removal process hasn't been easy. You haven't loved it, but he has taken some things away. He's had to dig up some roots and show you areas of your life that needed to change. But now he starts to show you what grace does in your life because grace helps you abound. Grace helps you grow. Grace helps you increase. And so God is going to apply grace You see, grace doesn't mean that God just accepts me as I am. No, 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 no. Grace is the manifestation of unmerited favor. You see, it means that you can't do anything to earn it. God freely gave it to you. In the midst of your brokenness and my brokenness, because we have been broken, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of the state that we were in and have been in before, God said, I'm going to give you something you could never earn, and quite frankly, you don't deserve. I'm going to give you something that will help you grow both spiritually into eternity with grace, but also become fruitful in this life that I have for you here, and so God steps in, and so recognizing that I'm broken beyond repair. This world is broken beyond repair. I can't fix myself. I can't fix this world, but you know what can? The grace of God can step in, and it can fix us, Think about who, many of you, think about who you were before the grace of God stepped in. Man, I was a mess. I was broken. I was jacked up, had all kinds of problems, surrounded by everything in life. But God stepped in, and he brought the grace for change. And so even though I can't fix myself, the grace of God steps in, and God helps fix me. He brings me to new life. I'm not just a repaired version of the old me. I'm a brand new me, according to 2 Corinthians 5:17. Old has passed away, and all has become new. So we can't self-help our way there. You see, the Bible says to heal the brokenhearted. That means those that may be broken, those that may be hurting. It's our responsibility to help heal them, whether it be socially, whether it be personally. Man, we should help heal them. You see, whatever you need to grow to move on, a part of what's going to come from the outside, you need to understand this. For many of you, you're looking in the mirror to help become who you think you need to be not realizing that it is a necessity that something be added to your life to help you become that. You don't have it in you to just be what you need to be for God. You need the grace of God to help you become the new thing that God wants to make you. And so I want to encourage you today to look to God to help make you brand new the bible gives so much fertilizer so much way of support correction teaching modeling in 1 corinthians 11 1 paul says this imitate me as i imitate christ you see modeling is one of the ways that the human system changes that's why i believe the local church should be the best place for hurt people to be healed I believe that they should be able to come to our churches to be restored. I believe they should be able to walk through our doors and be lifted up. I believe that it should be a home. That's why we fight for unity. That's why we fight for reconciliation. That's why we stand for peace. That's why we hope, man, that God's going to lead us into that place. Why? Because this needs to be the home that people can come to to get the hope that is found in Jesus. So we have to display that. And so we have to show. And in James 5.16, it's so important. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, the reason this matters is because in James 5.16, it says this. It says that, the, that we should confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. Now, it doesn't mean every sin you have. That's not necessarily what James 5 is talking about there. What James 5 is talking about there is that you need to confess the sins in your heart that you have towards one another. What James five sixteen is actually saying is the, ought, the ruffled feathers, the rough edges, the pain that you have in your heart towards the people that you're close to, towards your friends— You actually need to go to them and confess your frustration, your hurt, your pain. And then you need to pray for each other because that is the place that healing will come. You see, healing comes when we sit down together and we have a conversation. Healing comes when we grieve together. Healing comes when we confess what we're going through together. That's why this situation with George Floyd has been enlightening to many people because they're having conversations that they haven't had before but you know what it's doing? It's helping us confess areas of our life that maybe we didn't realize we were stuck in. It's helping show fruitless areas of our life that we didn't know we were dealing with. Now I say we, I'm talking about all of us, not one race. There are so many conversations happening right now where growth and unity are helping change the paradigm of people, and it's necessary for us to become who God has called us to be. Uh, So why should I make the question, one of the questions that came up, and they, the person asking it meant it in a genuine way, it said, "Why should I make other people's problems my problems? Why should I make my black and brown brothers and sisters' problems my problems?" Now they didn't mean it in a frustrated or racist way; they really didn't. They meant a genuine question: Why is it that I have to take that on biblically? All right. So they were willing to. They just wanted to know what is the Bible's basis for my feeling that way. And the answer actually came, uh, beautifully from my boy, Tyler, uh, Tyler Burns said it in a way that quite frankly, I just stole it. All right. He says this, we make their problems, our problems because God made our problems, his problem. You see, we make the problem of those that are close to us, our problem, because do we have to No. but should we? Yes. Why? Because God made our problems, his problem. Did he have to No." but did he? Yes. So what does it look like to imitate Christ in the midst of injustice? It means to take on the problems that aren't yours and make them yours. Now, I do want to say that the person in our church that asked that question 100% willingly took that responsibility on. They took that problem on They wanted a biblical backing. I'm going to do this, but what does the Bible say about it? And the Bible says we imitate Christ. How do we imitate Christ? By taking on a problem that may not be ours, and we make it our own. And that's what unity looks like. That's what it looks like to stand shoulder to shoulder. That's what it looks like to represent Jesus. So what's the next part? The third part and the last part of what it looks like based on Luke 13, to be honest and grow is you're going to have to give it some time. You're going to have to give it some time. You see, growth and change takes time, right? Now, what I want you to see about this message is that this message is not just about social justice, right? So we're not just talking about George Floyd and we're not just talking about some of the things that are going on in society right now. It's also about how you navigate the areas of your life you need to see changed, right? Personally, how do you see things change in your life? Well, the question is, what may need to change for you? Because the answers are still the same. So we've talked a little bit about racial reconciliation and unity and all of those things today. But here's the thing I have for you. Maybe you're going through something in your marriage. Maybe you're going through something relationally. Maybe you're going through an issue at work. Maybe you're going through an issue at school. Maybe COVID is getting to you. Whatever the case is, hear me for a second. Maybe this pursuit of God and trying to step into the righteousness of God is just becoming so hard for you. The answer is still found in Luke 13 because it's the same. Here, I'll show you. It says this. You still need to dig up the truth around the root of what's going on in your life, what you're struggling with. Bring it to the surface and deal with it. Right? You still need to recognize that God is applying grace in your life so that you can see how he carries you in your shortcomings. Hear me for a second. God carries you in your shortcomings. He doesn't wait arms crossed for you to get it together. Many of you think that God is just sitting back waiting for you to get all your stuff together so that he can be proud of you. Hear me for a second. He didn't wait for you to obtain righteousness. The Bible says he gave you righteousness and that is not your own. Jesus gave it to you at the cross you still need to realize that sanctification takes time. It's a process of resting in grace as we work towards righteousness, not to earn God's favor, but because we already have it. That's why the Bible says that the grace is a free gift, because it was already afforded to us at the cross. Jesus gave us that free gift. So we're not working to earn God's favor we're working in the middle of God's favor. We're not working to earn God's grace, to be good enough to receive it. We're working hard because we have received it, because God's grace was freely given to us. So what we have to recognize is we step into that place. And so I wanted to give you this brief story before we wrap up today. I had a friend and so she's a uh, big into gardening. She loves to garden, plant flowers, do all that stuff. I don't get it personally. Not my thing. Okay. Just I, not my thing. But she loves to garden. She's got these bushes. And every year around springtime, they start to produce these beautiful flowers and they take the flowers off. They cut them off. And she likes to bundle them up, put them in a vase on her, uh, on her kitchen table. And it smells the house full of that fragrance. And, and they do it every year. And it's something her and her daughter do together. Right. Well, last year, uh, they were going through the bushes, and and she said, man, these really need to be trimmed. So she had someone come in and trim off all the bushes. And so as she was trimming off the uh, the bushes, uh, what she didn't realize was that was not the season to be trimming bushes. Apparently, there is a season that you should and shouldn't trim bushes. Again, not my thing, but whatever. So she has the bushes trimmed. Well, because it was not the season to trim, uh, when springtime came around, those flowers didn't bloom. It was March, no bloom. April, nothing. May, nothing. And she started to get nervous, like, man, I've, I have destroyed this. Like, this has been something we cared uh, greatly about. And so, man, she was looking forward to it. And all of a sudden, because she cut it at the wrong time, there was nothing there. And she became frustrated. Now, Man, you have to understand that uh, in the midst of that, she thought that, man, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how uh, my daughter's going to react to it. And so she started going out each day. And what happened is some point in the first week of July, she comes out and there's a small bloom. Just one blossom had popped up for these flowers on this bush. But she became elated. She was like, "They, they might be coming back. And lo and behold, she goes back out there every day. And a few days after that, There was all these different blooms and her daughter comes home and sees them and they have this time together and and everything was fine after that. But there's something we can learn in that story that I want you to understand. You see, there are times in our life that trimming is going to be necessary. You see, uh, there is a time in our life where we have to cut back the dead branches. And that's not something we love because that can be a painful process, just like digging up the root in Luke 13. But trimming is necessary because when you trim back the things that you don't need to have, you can see more beautifully the things that you need, the things that you want. You get to see the flowers bloom better and in a more healthy way when you trim back dead areas of your life. You see, even for a season, it means that part of your life won't look the way you want it to But in the end, it's going to be way more beautiful when God's done with it. So trimming is necessary. Next, pay attention to what season you're in. Pay attention to what season when you're in. When you know that you're in a season of healing internally, you're not frustrated that God is bringing you something on the outside. You see, some of you aren't ready for the thing you can't wait to have. I'm going to say that again. Some of you aren't ready for the thing you can't wait to have. You see, there's a right season coming for that. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says that actually. In 3 verses 1 through 8, it says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to be plucked up, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, A time to mourn and a time to dance, A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, A time to seek and a time to lose, A time to keep and a time to cast away, A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak up, A time to love and a time to hate, A time for war and a time for peace. Now, that's what Ecclesiastes 3 says to us. Now, what he's communicating there is that uh, not necessarily that you should go out and do all of these things in different seasons. What he's actually communicating to us is that we should allow our heart to be content at all times because every season is coming. So in the midst of every season, allow your heart to be content knowing that God's got this. You see, there's different seasons that we have to pay attention to. Number three, celebrate the small blooms. Because they represent what's coming. You see, for many of us, uh, small areas of our life have started to give hope to us. And we've gone and told ourselves, ah, I don't want to get my hopes up. No, no, no. Get your hopes up. Allow yourself to dream again. Allow yourself to be encouraged and hopeful by the small things that are happening around you. Because they're a representation of what God is going to be bringing into your life. Celebrate small Blooms. I know you want the whole bush of flowers to come back. I know you want the whole tree to be growing, but you know what? Until it gets here, celebrate the small victories that God brings in your life. And then lastly, give it time. Give it time. You can limit your frustrations when you know how much time it takes to heal. You, can, you, may not meet, you may not be where you want to be, but God is repairing some things on the inside that will cause you to bloom, to thrive, and will cause everyone around you to be astonished by what God has done in your life. And so I want to encourage you today, man, make sure you recognize that trimming may be necessary, but pay attention to what season you're in. Celebrate the small blooms and then give it time because God is leading you somewhere. And even though you may have to dig up some truth around you, Even though some roots may need to come up so that you can become whole again, God's gonna apply grace and help you start to flourish. And in time, in time, God will make you everything that He has destined and purposed to make you. You can trust in who God is. You can trust that He's got you. And so I wanna pray for all of you today, all of us today, that in the midst of much frustration, both socially with many things going on in our country right now, that God would bring peace into our hearts. And maybe you're going through something personally that you need that prayer. I wanna pray for you today as well. So God, I just pray right now for each person that's watching today, each person that's with us, each person that's listening today. Father, that you would bring peace into our hearts. God, where we've been frustrated, God, where pain has taken over, God, where we have, Lord, allowed our minds to be captivated and, and quite frankly, Lord, locked down with a lack of joy, even frustration, pain, sadness, sorrow, mourning. God, I pray that all of those things are seen by you, and the Bible says that they are, but God, I pray that uh, in the midst of our mourning, God, we look to moments of joy. We look for you to carry us. And so, God, although many are hurting right now, both uh, individually with different social aspects of our world that's hurting right now, but also some that God may be experiencing genuine personal issues, Father, that and circumstances that they just need you to show up in. God, I pray that you show them that there may be a season where you're digging up some truth to help show where they need to change areas of their life. God, that you're applying grace so that in time they'll flourish. And that God, just like we said, in time they will be patient and ready for you to accomplish all that you have set out to accomplish. And so God, I pray that you encourage the hearts of those that are listening right now and watching but I know that you're faithful, and so we love you today, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The one last thing I do wanna do today is pray for any of you that maybe you're in a position right now where you need Jesus in your life. You see, the Bible is pretty clear. All we have to do is come to him, confess our sins, repent of our sins, and then confess him as Lord and Savior. And today, if you want a clean slate, if you want Jesus to give you a fresh start, and you want your sins to be forgiven, All you have to do is put your faith in him today. If you want to do that, I'm going to invite you to repeat this prayer after me and put your faith and put your confidence that Jesus paid for your sins at the cross and you're going to start following him from this day forward. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe in you. I want to give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, church, we are celebrating with each one of you that's watching right now. And if you have prayed that prayer or if you're new with us, we want to let you know you can fill out the connect card. Our team is dropping the link in the comments right now, or you can go to transformationchurch.com and click on connect, but you can fill out that card. And if you'll fill that card out, we would love to connect with you in a greater way because this isn't the end of your journey. This is the beginning of a brand new one. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to let all of you know, don't forget June 7th, at tc the new location the new campus we're going to be having our outdoor service we hope to see all of you there come out and be a part of it it's going to be amazing don't forget take your steak. so we're going to be putting some stakes in the ground Uh, don't forget also uh, if you want to bring your offering for take your stake we're going to be doing it there we're trying to raise 100k in 60 days and we know with your help your generosity it's going to be possible so i want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you we're praying for you we're praying for our nation And we're praying that God would bring peace and hope and unity like we know he's capable of. So we thank you. We love you. And I'm going to send it back to our service host now as we get ready to wrap up today's service. Thanks so much for tuning in.